Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Just a note, this episode contains explicit language that some will find offensive. Part of what makes our culture so rich is contributions from the cultural groups that make up our community. And this month, in recognition of Hispanic Heritage Month, we are celebrating the achievements and influence of Hispanic Americans. And boy, is today's guest worth the celebration. You know Rita Moreno for her body of work that's earned her an Emmy, a Grammy, and Oscar, and a Tony, the coveted EGOT. But where does her story begin? The year was 1961. The part was Anita in the film adaptation of West Side Story, and the actress was Rita Moreno. Like so many people, personally, I am inspired by the cards that were stacked against Rita. A difficult upbringing, a career in an industry that pushed her to the margins, the naysayers doubting her at every turn. But that did not stop Rosita, as Rita refers to her young self. She wanted that part so badly, she says she could taste it. Well, you know the end of the story by now, but the end of that story was actually the beginning of another one. As Rita and I talk about the heights and also the depths, not just of her career, but also her love life and a path to self-acceptance, I want you to join me in appreciating where hard work can land you, how one person's achievement can empower an entire community, and how the impossible is sometimes just one opportunity or one iconic role away. I'm Hoda Kotb, and welcome to a bonus episode of my podcast, Making Space, in celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month. Hello. Hi. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm so glad to see you. (laughs) Sitting across from you, I'm going to tell you right now, is a privilege and an honor. Okay. Um, One word that you would use to describe yourself. Ebullient. Ebullient. Why why that word? Because it's my nature. I'm, uh, it's really become part of who I am. I never used to be like this, but I, I have come to appreciate Every little moment. Describe, describe, you said you weren't always like that. Describe who the little girl was. Oh, the little girl Rosita Dolores Alberio was fearful, um, felt very unworthy, felt without value. Hmm. Uh, Not necessarily my mom's fault. It was the fault of the times that anybody who came from Puerto Rico was not a good person. And I learned that very, very early. And I learned it too well. What was the first time you learned that, that you remember? I think I was five when uh, my mom had brought me to America. We lived in New York City and uh, in, in the ghetto, Hispanic ghetto. And on the way to kindergarten, I noticed that little gangs of white boys were just gathered there, it seems, to uh, tease and and uh, make deeply unhappy little girls, mostly little girls who pass by on the way to school and say bad names. You know, words I, you don't even hear anymore, like spick. Hmm. 
and garlic mouse and, you know, pulling your braids, that kind of thing. They were very scary. What did your mom say? That she was obviously prote- trying to protect well, you. Well, I never told my mom. An instinct told me, don't say this to her. She, She's not prepared to handle this. I just kind of knew. And you just tucked it away. Yeah. Tucked it away. And the trouble with tucking is that it sits there and festers. It's like a little pool of pond scum that comes back and really hits you straight on the head and and knocks you for a loop. And you wonder, why why do I feel so bad about myself? So this little girl who had all these feelings had a spark in her. She loved to perform. What was it about the experience of performing oh, that turned the lights on for you? That's easy to answer. Uh-huh. Uh, grandpa in Puerto Rico, Abuelo, used to uh, have me dance to records. Remember records? Of course. And it seemed, and I used to love to boogie, you know, and shake my little tush. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was really dancing to salsa, which what amounts to salsa nowadays. And uh, the result of doing that for grandpa was that... Uh, He loved it and he would applaud and he would hug me and kiss me and everybody in the family would say, isn't she adorable? And I thought, this is nice. I could do with more of this, truly. And that's that's what kind of formed me in in terms of my uh, professional life. Because you loved it, but I you, loved it. But you also were good at it. Did and you I, yes, know yes. you could? I was probably adorable, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was cute. I had these big eyes. My mom used to put these giant uh, bows on my head. Yeah, there's some great pictures of me with these enormous bows that were bigger than my head. <laughs> and uh, it, what's what was not to like? I loved that. The attention was super. Did you like being Hispanic? Not for a long time. Once I came to America, I perceived that it was not a good thing to be Hispanic. And for years and years and years, I battled that. So how did you, did you try to hide it? I tried very much to hide it. I tried to be very American. Mm -hmm. I tried to be up to date in things, whatever Mm -hmm. that happened to be, whether it was fashion or little funny sayings that Americans would make up, you know. And uh, I tried really, really hard not to be Hispanic for really a long time. And you chose a career that would put you into the spotlight. So that would highlight again. But I didn't know that. Ah. I didn't know that. Ah. All I knew was I want to be Elizabeth Taylor. That's what you thought? Yeah, we were the same age, more or less. Yeah. And she was beautiful beyond reason. But uh, that's what I wanted to be. And I thought, I thought it was entirely possible. Mm -hmm. You know, until people tell you when you're young that it can't be, you believe it can. You wanted to be Elizabeth Taylor. You wanted to be on stage, on screen. And it started happening for you. But you, again, you know, you had a name that your agent thought was not going to (laughs) work. He he was like, "Uh uh-uh, not this name. So the, the casting director at MGM, where I was under contract, said, uh, Rosita Alverio? He said, no, no. He says, that's too Italian. Rosita Alverio, okay. So he said, we got to change your name. And I said, great. I was, yeah, I was thinking Rita Hayworth. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, okay, how is um, Orkin Montenegro? <laughs> Orchid Montenegro. Yes, that is what he said. Gee. 
And, uh, you know, all kinds of really yeah. exotic names that were really horrendous. Yeah. And as shy as I was, I thought, can I live my life as Orchid Montenegro? I don't, I don't think so. So we finally settled. He said, who's your favorite actress at that time? And I said, uh-huh. Rita Hayworth. He said, we'll call you Rita. And he said, that last name really sucks. He says, Alvario, what is that? And I never liked it anyway because everybody always mispronounced yeah. it, Alvario, whatever. So he said, uh, I said, my stepfather's last name, Moreno. Uh, so that's what it became, Rita Moreno. So you were getting parts and you were getting a lot of roles, but the roles seemed to have a common thread. Yeah. The thread was... Native girls. Yes. All kinds of native girls, right. And what, let me tell you, at first it was great. Anything would be good. Sure. Anything. I'd be in a movie. I'd be, you know, it was big as a house on a screen. Yeah. What could be bad? Right. And I was cute. And then I had a makeup man. I, who ever heard of having a makeup man <laughs> doing your face? Yeah. Everything was new and yeah. thrilling and delightful. And I looked prettier than I'd ever looked. And uh, everything was great. And then more and more, I kept having to learn how to do accents. And, and, and the makeup got darker and yeah. darker and darker. And all because of my name. Uh-huh. I mean, you see... Now, what you saw then. Yeah. This is how I looked. And I began to see a pattern emerge, and it began to get make me very sad. And there was no way that I knew to make that turn around. Because it was American Indian girls, island girls. And the girls seemed to be illiterate. Always illiterate. They didn't know how to speak. They had to have accents that nobody even taught me. I made them up. Yeah. But, you know, I called it now the universal accent because it was one accent made for everything. Nobody taught me. Nobody took care of that. So I, they would all sound like this. Even if they were Egyptian, they would sound Puerto Rican. (laughs) I would talk like this all the time because even American Indian girls talking like that. What did that do? When you were cast in those roles and you realized, this is the box I'm in, this is the box I'm in, what did it do to your soul, your self-esteem? My self-esteem was always at risk because of my experiences in New York anyway. Yeah. I didn't realize it then. And as I began to see that the girls I always had to play were always illiterate, Uh, they always had accents, they always had dark skin. You may know or you may not that Puerto Rican people are many colors because of all the countries that Mm -hmm. uh, came in. Mm -hmm. We are French, we are Spanish, we are Dutch, we are all kinds. Anyway, uh, and I kept saying, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not that dark. I wonder why they have to. But, you know, I was so naive. Mm -hmm. I was really, I was that little Bronx girl Mm -hmm. that said, they said, you know, you want to sit in the mud here and, you know, put it on your face. Okay. Okay. Whatever you ask. I don't like do. the way it feels, but okay. Sounds like that thread of just saying, okay, yeah. happened in your career as well when it was, you know, sexual harassment obviously was rampant in Hollywood. Oh. But when you're young and naive and just all you want to do is be accepted. Right. You were like the, the, the perfect prey for some of these men. I had a studio head. I can say it now because he's long deceased, but... Buddy Adler uh, at 20th Century Fox. Mm -hmm. I was like 21 or something. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, he took one look at me and he thought, ooh, yum, yum. And happily, I was rooming with three other girls. We rented a house Mm -hmm. in Hollywood that we could afford because the four of us were sharing. Mm -hmm. And he started to call me. And when I saw what was on his mind, I got really, really nervous. Yeah. So I would tell the girls, uh, if he calls, and you can almost tell it's him because he had a very educated kind mm-hmm. of voice. He didn't sound like any of our f- friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say, I'm in the shower, or I'm shopping, mm-hmm. or I'm away for a month. Mm-hmm. Something. I can't. Yeah. And the reason, too, that I was really afraid, this is what's so sad about me then, I was deeply afraid that I might get talked into having an affair with him, huh. that I would get talked into by him, simply because he was so powerful. Hmm. Not because I wanted a break in films or anything, nothing like that, hmm. but because he would just overpower me. Hmm. And I I never told the girls that, but I was really scared to death that I'd somehow allow myself to get trapped. Hmm. And it was murder. It was just really, really, really difficult. When those things happened to you in Hollywood, how did you emerge? The only thing that saved my life, I, I know it, was psychotherapy. Yeah. And the interesting thing, it was Marlon Brando with whom I had a eight-year-on-off relationship, who said to me one day, you really need help. Hmm. You need to see someone. Which, of course, is so amusing because one loony telling the other, you're <laughs> sick. You know, get help. Was, was he, at that point, or as you reflect on your life, was he the love of your life? Oh, he was the lust of my life. Marlon Brando was the lust of your life. My husband was the love of my life. Hmm. Marlon was the lust of my life. Mm-hmm. And that part of it was exceptional. I, I, you know, oh, wow, that was incredible. And he was, he was really also a very interesting man. He was yeah. very funny. Mm-hmm. Humor to me is sexy. Mm-hmm. Why is it sexy? Because I always think that a man who can be fast on his feet with humor can protect me. And that's what you wanted them yeah. to be protected. So anybody be- who, who could be funny, Mel Brooks would have probably had me in a second. If he had lived then. I mean, to read about and to learn about your love, your lust for Marlon Brando at that time, that was so intense that it actually drove you at one point. To take pills to try to do away with my life. That's right. That just took my breath away, Rita. Yeah. It nearly took mine away as well, permanently. Why did you uh, want to do that? Because uh, he kept disappointing me. But, you know, let's put things in proper perspective. You, you let things happen, all right? People don't, aren't just mean to you. If you keep letting them disappoint you and hurt you, then there's something wrong with this relationship, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. yourself. So having said that, I just got disappointed for the last time. Uh, we came back together after separating, coming back, because we were really obsessed with each other. Mm -hmm. It was a very obsessive relationship. And somehow, that was the the straw that broke the camel's back, Mm -hmm. as they say. This one deception, this hundredth deception. And I remember he went to work. He was doing um, Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm -hmm. And he went to work. I was in his bed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can't do this to myself anymore. Mm. I, I just can't do this. I felt so humiliated. 
And I went to his bathroom and looked in the uh, medicine cabinet, and he took sleeping pills now and then. Mm-hmm. And I just stared at it for almost a half hour. It wasn't something impulsive. Wow. In that sense. It took thought. It took a long time wow. because I thought, if you're going to do this, this is forever. This, this is going to be your last breathing moment. Huh. And I finally opened the bottle and put, I think, about 10 pills in my uh, hand and swallowed them. And I'm looking in the cabinet mirror all the time and saying, see, that wasn't so difficult. Oh, it was, it was just horrific. Mm. And, you know, luckily his assistant, Alice, found me. Mm. I think Marlon called her and said, see if Rita's still in bed. Mm. Maybe he had a premonition. I don't know. And she did, and she couldn't wake me. But I was close. I was close. Wow. God, I'm glad it's in the the past. I am too. Oh, you know, I look at my daughter and I think, look what might not have happened. Oh, my God. Look what might not have happened, whom I adore. She's just, she's my beacon of light, Fernanda. You did so good with her. And you, she's amazing. She is. She's a beautiful girl. Coming up, after ending her relationship with Marlon Brando, Rita Moreno gets the role of a lifetime. You know which one I'm talking about. I like the island Manhattan. I know you don't. Smoke on your pipe and put it. More with Rita Moreno after this. I like to be in America. Okay, bye. If you travel, you know how to really go off the grid. Like no cell service in your room, off the grid. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, sound baths, and ice baths. Because when you set up your out-of-office, you mean it. Because when you're the escape artist, vacation is all about resting, meditating, drinking water, and minding your own businessing. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. When most people say your name, they immediately think West Side Story. Nobody worked harder for a part than you did. Nobody worked harder during the entire production than you did. No one was going to outwork you. No. I was with professional dancers. I had not danced in years Mm -hmm. before this happened. Mm -hmm. And I had to audition. I had to audition in every aspect of that part. Everyone, the dance audition was an amazing. Can I tell you that story? Yes, please. I had already auditioned for the singing and for the uh, for the acting. They were thrilled. P and Robert Wise, speaking of Jerry Robbins, the co-director. And uh, before I left the last audition, which was the acting one, uh, he said, now, Rita, we have to do the uh, dance audition. And he said, I have to tell you honestly, if you can't cut that, you don't get the part. Oh, jeez. I said, 
gulp, okay? <laughs> uh-huh. Because I hadn't danced in years, oh, Hoda. Geez. Years. And I wasn't that kind of dancer. Yeah. I was a Spanish dancer, <laughs> you know, in the castings, yeah. and I was good at that. But that's all I yeah. did. Yeah. That kind of dancing was completely unfamiliar to me. So I ran to the local dancing school and took lessons all day long. I could barely afford it. Jeez. But I was in that dancing school like from nine to six in the evening to the point where one dance teacher said to me, don't come back to my class. And I said, oh, but I have to. And I explained to her, this is important. What what do you mean? And she said, honey, you work so hard, you turn a funny shade of purple. (sighs) She said, and I don't want anything to happen to my class. (laughs) So she said, you're out. Bye. And I remember going to yeah. the bathroom, the uh-huh. ladies' room, and looking in the mirror, and sure enough, it goes beyond red. Holy moly. And I used to raise fevers. Fevers, goosebumps with a hot, what? hot, hot okay, body. Can you just tell me what's driving you? I know you want the part. I get it. Yeah. But what drove you to that? I really felt it was my last chance to get something and do something that was meaningful. And I wanted that part so badly I could taste it. Mm. And I knew, I knew I could do it just as <laughs> I just knew that I would be a wonderful Anita if they'd just give me, because I was Anita. That was you. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to Oscar Knight and Rock Hudson reading the nominees. May I have the envelope, please? And there's a, there's just a beat, a second, as he opens that envelope. Boom, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Rita Marino and West Side Star. Your face when they announced your name. And you know what I loved about that moment? I mean, it was your moment, but it was not just your moment. Oh, I love you for saying that. It was not just your moment. It was my people. It was your people's moment. Yes. Oh my God, they cheered in Harlem. They cheered all over. they went crazy. I have a girlfriend who told me that she she lived in Harlem at the time. And she says, normally it's a raucous place. Yeah. And it was very hot summer night when this was on. You could hear all the TVs playing the Oscars. Well, of course, because I was nominated. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that half of them had never even watched those. And, and she said the place, when he came up to say Best Featured Actress, she said the place went dead quiet. You know what that is in the ghetto? That's amazing. It's weird. Maybe it's the end <laughs> of the earth or something. And he announced my name and the place went up in mm. smoke, my oh. neighborhood. People yelling out the windows, she did it, she did it. And, you know, as a friend of mine said, what they were really saying was, we did it. Oh, God, that makes me want to We cry. did it. Puerto Rico went nuts. Did you know that you were carrying all of that on your shoulders you that know, day? You know, I really didn't. We know that all eyes were on you and you were inspiring people. Who was inspiring you while you were having these moments? Who did you look toward? I had nobody. I'm sure there were people that I didn't know about because I certainly wasn't the most sophisticated young woman in the world. So uh, the I burst into tears when my friend told me what she heard it in makes the Hispanic me cry. ghetto. Well, that's it. It's like we did that. I have friends yes. to this day, when your name is mentioned, they want to weep because of what you represent to them. These are women in their 30s and their 40s. It's... I remember meeting Rosie Perez years mm-hmm. after yeah. that. Years after that. 
And I went and gave her a warm oh. hug because she Oof. was, you know, beginning to yes. blossom in films. And I was so happy about that for her and for us. And she burst into tears. And of I course. thought, why is she crying? I said, what Everybody happened? Cries. Are you all right? No, it's you. It hap- It's still, it's <sighs> happened then and it's happening now. Isn't that crazy? It still happens to this day. It's and astonishing. Then not, not only did you win the Oscar, you're the first Latina to I win have the, them all. You got the EGOT. I have the, the EGOT. The Emmy. Emmy, uh, Grammy. Grammy. Oscar, Oscar Tony. Tony, and then the the uh, the one that really surprised me was the the Peabody. Yes, you got the Peabody. Of course well, you guess. did. I think the Peabody yeah. has only maybe three no. women. Nobody gets the Peabody. Okay, nobody gets the Peabody. It's just it's it's crazy. I wish my mom were here. <laughs> Do you feel her still? Oh God, I miss her so yeah. much. The older I get, the more, of course, the older appreciate her. Yeah. With her accent and her saying bad words, not knowing she was saying bad (laughs) words, like changing the shits on the bed, all that kind of stuff that used to just, oh, I used to get just just so embarrassed. And I say, wait, she says, I got trouble with my bowels. Leave me alone. She did say that. It sounds like stand-up material, doesn't it? Um. You know, it's you win all these awards. The, the acceptance speech you gave for the Tonys was much different than your Oscar acceptance speech. Your Oscar acceptance speech was lickety split. Blah, 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 blah. I can't believe it. Good Lord. I leave you with that. When you gave your Tony acceptance speech, you acknowledged not just who you had become, but who you were. You acknowledged Rosita. You acknowledge. Oh, I said that's right. Yes, I forgot that. I said I'm not only am I proud. Yes, but Rosita Dolores Alverio is yes. beside herself. Yes, or something like that. Yes, yes. I mean, Rita Moreno is thrilled, but Rosa Dolores Alverio from Umaca, Puerto Rico, is undone. I just thought that was such a huge moment because. You had not left anything behind, not that you ever did, Mm -hmm. but to stand on stage and speak it out loud was something precious, I thought. It's funny. I interviewed Viola Davis. Oh, what a powerhouse. She said something that struck me. I asked her how she clawed out of her difficult circumstances, extreme poverty, no food, no water, all the things that she struggled with. And she said, I went to Juilliard and I worked hard. She said, but do not mistake achievement for healing. Oh my goodness, that is so profound. <gasps> and I thought about you in that moment. Do not mistake achievement for healing. You talk about the little you, the little girl in you, little Rosita. She's the one who still lives in me. You know, everybody thinks that once you've had therapy, everything is swell. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. There's still a little, there's something in me. I call her little Rosita who is always there to say, ha, 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 ha. I told you, I told you. Told you what? As I said, I told you you couldn't make it. I told you you couldn't do it. I told you you'd be embarrassed. All that, that lives in me. Mm. And the measure of being uh, mature Mm -hmm. is my ability now to send her to her room. Go to your room. And you're still but sending her still off. But she's still there. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'm completely healed, and I don't think I will ever be. Mm-hmm. I think I'm fragile in certain ways still. Mm. Very, very sensitive. I love that you never got hard. Like, this 
It could That's do it. That's not in me. I, I, you know, I, I thank God for that because yeah. honestly, I see a lot of people get that way. Because mm-hmm. I'm surprised with all that, all the blows you took. I still have two people who would die for me. Hmm. My little girl and Lenny Gordon, my, my husband. husband. And I realized that then. I remember having a moment, an epiphany, as it were, that I was very lucky. Wow. Lenny was with you for years. 46 years. 46 years. Yeah. You got the career and you got the guy. Most times you choose. Well, I got the guy, but then it turned into not a happy marriage because I felt that people make deals with each other that are never verbalized. Hmm. In our case of our marriage was, if you'll be my daddy and take care of me and love me, uh, I will be your little girl. Hmm. And that's what that deal really was. Hmm. I've been looking for a daddy all my life. Hmm. I have four of them, Hmm. you know, three stepfathers. And, uh, Hmm. but that doesn't work because he was he was a controlling person, mm-hmm. and he began to control every moment of my life, mm-hmm. and it be, made me crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to leave him, but I couldn't because of Fernanda. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person who leaves. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really also afraid that um, I would not be good on my own, and he kind of saw to that. And that wasn't conscious on his part, which is mm-hmm. why I'll always say he was a Really wonderful, fine man. He wasn't mm-hmm. aware of that. But I did beg him for us to see a counselor, and he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So you on your own, your own voice, your own choices, your own decisions. Nobody's putting their thumb on the scale. Nobody's telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. How did you adjust to that life? Being on my own? Yeah. It was easy. It was easy. Yeah. And it was, it actually, it, uh, it worried me because his demise happened in New York when mm-hmm. I was in a hospital with him for about a month and a half, mm-hmm. sleeping on one of those hideous cots mm-hmm. where you can feel the floor. Mm. Yeah. And I came home. I remember it was a beautiful sunny afternoon and my assistant was there, Judy. Mm-hmm. And I said, give me a big glass of white wine. Mm. And I sat in my very pretty courtyard and I just took in the sun and I thought I'm free Mm. I can do anything I want now Mm. anything you know what I'm struck by what What? I find so inspiring in this conversation is your directness your honesty you say all the hard parts out loud but you know you have to you have to, particularly if you're in my business, which is full of lies and deception, for your own mental health, I think you have to be truthful. So that I'm truthful sometimes to the point of being, let's call it direct <laughs> or blunt. Yeah. You straight up say it. You, say, you just said out loud what a lot of women probably felt at the end of a, of a relationship. Let me tell you something. I went to a gathering soon after my husband passed away. And there were about three widows there. Mm-hmm. So we started to talk as widows. And I finally said, Liz, I have to ask you something because I, I, I'm feeling so guilty about this. Mm-hmm. I said, when I came home and I described how I felt the big glass mm-hmm. of wine, I said, 
am I just a piece of work Hmm. or what? Every one of them, there were three of them, said the same Mm. thing. Yeah, you just said it out loud. That does not speak well for how people uh, deal with relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just means that it's uh, so much of it is make-believe. Coming up, what keeps Rita going at 90 years old and why she's not ready to slow down? I'm having the time of my life. More with Rita Moreno when we come back. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sixty years after the first West Side Story premiered, the role that made Rita Moreno made history again. This time, Ariana DeBose played Anita in Steven Spielberg's remake. You won the Oscar for uh, your role as Anita um, in West Side Story. Fast forward to this moment in time. You got to witness another beautiful... Anita. Anita. Bring home an Oscar. I, I was just, I was, I, but I'm not, I wasn't surprised. You weren't? Oh, no. Yeah. I kept hinting to her and I thought I shouldn't be doing this, yeah. but I thought, how can she not? And then the reviews were insane <laughs> for her, as they were for me. That's, that's an Oscar part. And I want to be careful about saying that because then that means that did you, whoever played it would get it. Not so, mm. not so. Mm-hmm. But she wowed me. I, she wowed me. I gave her every bit of support that I could. Don't think that I wasn't envious. <laughs> I was. You were? Oh, absolutely. Come on. I love this. She was suddenly getting all of that attention that I, I didn't. Because in ah, those times, right. in those times, we did the movie and everybody said, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, you got the Oscar. You got the Golden Globe. Well, goodbye. And I didn't work again. But, you know, Ariana, the publicity, yeah. the uh, yeah. And she was able to voice something that I wasn't able to then. So, of course, you know, there's always a bit of it. Yeah. I mean, anybody tells you they're not envious. I just can't believe it. You're so honest. I but love it. But what I loved about her being cast in it was Stephen picking an Afro-Latina mm-hmm. in the role. There are tons of us around. They're not all like me. I loved her speech at the Kennedy oh. Center Honors to you, that you gave her permission to have the dream that she lived. Permission. I was just so like, whoa, that, that one's She's like remarkable. right in the heart. She's remarkable. 
However, she's working all the time. Uh I'm not. Yeah, you didn't get work for seven years or so after. Oh my goodness, I had the hardest time. I couldn't get work. I could get some if I wanted to do more gang stuff Mm -hmm. on a much lesser scale. But I suddenly thought, maybe I'm just not being represented correctly. Mm -hmm. So with his permission, my agent who was at William Morris, I made an appointment with another agent and I said, well, I was wondering, and it was this kind of thing. Yeah. I was wondering if uh, maybe uh, maybe you might be interested in handling my career for mm-hmm. a while. And there was an instant and harsh no. And then I <laughs> said, can I ask why not? Mm-hmm. She said, you won't believe this. I can't believe anybody would say this. She says, because I don't think you have what it takes. And I tell oh you, God. the blood just drained from my head into, into a little pool around my ankles. And there was nothing I could say to that. But that may be the other magical part about yeah. you and the other, like, there are a million inspiring pieces of you. But to have a door slammed after you got the Oscar and the Golden Globe, to emerge from that and to come out after that and still grab yourself a Tony and grab yourself a Grammy in spite of that. Like, that's inspirational. Like, how do you keep getting up? Well, you just do. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you just do. You just do. Because you know you're talented. I do. Yeah. I actually, I've always believed, even at my most humble, and I was, let me tell you, really humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always believed that I had good stuff and that I was talented, that I needed someone. And I was so right. I needed someone to believe in me. Mm. But I never had that person. Mm -hmm. Because someone who would say, listen, kid, I know you have talent, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to work really hard for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give up when they say no. Mm. That's what I'm going to do for you. I want to give you a career. But it, it never happened. When's your birthday? December 11th, 1931. And how old will you be when that date? 91. 91 years old, and you are in the middle of shooting a movie. Uh, Yes! With Jane Fonda. Yes. Lily Tomlin and Sally Field. And you. Yeah. What a group. Is that that a crazy group? First of all, are you loving it? Yes, I am. Do you love it as much now as you did then? Oh, I love it more because I can really appreciate it more. Yeah. And uh, and I don't have to be nervous and scared. And uh, that's been my middle name, Rita Nervous and Scared Moreno, you know. So uh, I'm having the time of my life. It's a delicious part. So as we sit here at 90 years old, what inspires you now? Like what kinds of things inspire you? Women. Yeah. Women. I, I, uh, I have such an appreciation, a deep appreciation of women and what they have to go through mm-hmm. to be uh, successful in life. And that doesn't mean stars. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean the head of corporation. Just handling their lives mm-hmm. and being a parent. Mm-hmm. That takes enormous amount of work. And it's about time that we support it. See, I, that's what I love so much, mm-hmm. that we are supporting each other. Well, you've been marching and you've been fighting the good fight from the very beginning. You were there when Dr. Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. You were a witness. You were there. There are life-changing moments. not more than 15 feet away from him. 
watching him do that speech, it settled for me once and for all that I had a responsibility, Mm. that I had advantages that many, many people didn't. And I'd been there when I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I understood very well. Mm -hmm. I understood what this struggle was about. And we, I, I felt that I was one with the, the Black community. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the most thrilling day. So you, thrilling. You were present and you were part of that movement. You were part of the I women's rights movement. I love that you movements. said I was a witness. Yes, you were a witness. I was. How cool in your... I just want to think about your cool life and the things you've, not just the things you've witnessed, but the things you've participated in. You fought for women's rights. You mar- you were, you've been in the middle of it and you still are, you still are. Because that was yeah. kind of the beginning of my awakening. Uh, when I had my baby girl in my arms, mm-hmm. Fernanda, she oh. was a babe in arms and I was supposed to have a, a babysitter come and look after her so yeah. I could speak to these young people. Mm-hmm. It was one of my very early forays mm-hmm. into speaking. And the babysitter didn't show up. So we <laughs> took the bus and I went to the place and she was sucking on my pearls. Yeah. And I was talking to young people. You were like, listen, you are somebody. Now, do you know, do you know at this moment in your life, your worth? Are you aware of your value? Do you know at this point that you're worthy of everything you've achieved and everything? Well, I certainly feel that I've earned yeah. everything mm-hmm. that is wonderful and yeah. good and a reward. Yeah. I absolutely feel that I, that has not, I, that has not come cheaply. Mm-hmm. I've had to earn every bit of that. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of myself for that. And lastly, uh, as I keep repeating, you've changed the lives of so many people. Countless you'll never know. That's a, Most you'll astounding. never know. It's astounding. Um, what is it? <gasps> oh, I've got to tell, tell you Tell me. Else. I want to know. I had done a television interview with someone very famous whom I can't remember yeah. because I'm an old woman. And I talked about my attempt at suicide. Yeah. I felt it was, they asked me the question and I thought, I need to talk about this. And I did. And I, you know, I, I said something like, uh, I don't want to make this into a five-minute spot, but I only want to say that to those people who are watching today uh, that you need to consult with somebody. It doesn't matter who. There is hope. Don't let it go that far. You don't have to. You really don't. And you have value. But it was one of those things. About a year later... I was walking into the lobby of the Waldorf Astoria in New York, and I see somebody across the lobby, and they ran toward me, and they held my hands, and they were in tears. It was a man. And he said, thank you. Oh, this is hard. He said, thank you. You saved my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, "What, what what do you mean? And he said, I saw you on that show. I saw you talking to the audience. So, you know, words do have meaning. And when you mm-hmm. have people playing with them and saying dreadful, untrue things, it's heartbreaking. Well, you're a healer. You know what? I think I am. I think too. I think I am. A healer. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we need Kleenexes <laughs> on aisle one. Boy, do you give good interview. Oh, my God. I'm so wow. I'm so, I can say with forever. 
For more of Rita Moreno's story, tune into NBC's special Inspiring America, the 2022 Inspiration List, celebrating extraordinary people making an impact. You can watch it on demand on Peacock. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, and I sure hope you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger, along with associate producer Rachel Yong and audio engineers Bob Mallory and Ernie Indradat. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Minna Kathuria is our executive producer. Soraya Gage, our general manager. And Madeline Herringer, our head of editorial. We also want to give a special thank you to Mary Casolino, Libby Lease, Tom Azzarelli, Talia Parkinson-Jones, Lauren Gamsey, Justin Pirelli, Megan Stackhouse, Elizabeth Bader, Ashley Codiani, Melissa Redzimski, Missy Dunlop, Sharice Laredo, John Makeley, Alexa Casavecchia, Nick Offenberg, Reed Cherlin, Robin Gradison, Amy Wolf, Celia Muller, Amy Bond, Lexi Rudolph, Chelsea Damberg, Amanda Sidman, Abigail Russ, Brittany Bosner, Katie Disler, Ali Detweiler, and Noah Oppenheim. And to all of my guests, and especially to you guys, our listeners, thank you for making space for us. I know I've learned so much, and I try to take a piece of the wisdom that each guest shares, and I try to apply it to my own journey. I hope you'll do the same. See you back here soon for season three. I'm Hoda Kotb. Thank you for listening. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.